What's up? Here's the deal, listeners. My name's Dominic Kendall, and I'm so excited for season three as we're kicking off this study in Mark. Once again, we're going to be in Mark chapter three, and so Luke and I talk through a man with a withered hand and uh, ultimately God's anger and, 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 and his grace and, and also how he grieves over sin. Uh, we talk about a lot of cool things, so we hope that you enjoy us getting back into it here on the Here's the Deal podcast. Hey, while you're checking this out, make sure you're also keeping up with us on social media and on our Patreon page, patreon.com slash here's the deal. We hope you enjoy the show. Luke, my friend, we're back at it. How are you? Back at it. Here's the deal. Doing good, man. Oh, here's the deal. How we've longed to be back. And now the book of Mark. Longed for the oh, Marky Mark. Of here's the deal. Marky Mark. We're back at you. So um, on today's episode, uh, we're going to be walking through uh, Mark chapter 3. As we begin this, we ended Mark chapter 2 uh, at the end of last season. So we're going to pick up where we left off It only took here. us one whole year. Only one whole year to get to this place. And <laughs> the so third chapter. Uh, Mark chapter 3, we may, we may do some full chapters in all this. But all that to say is we have no earthly idea. So we're going to do uh, Mark chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. Uh, on this episode, want to make sure you guys are checking that out. Mark chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. Um, Luke, why don't, you, uh, why don't you kind of set the stage and read that for us? All right, Mark chapter 3, starting in verse 1. It says, Again he, this is Jesus, again he entered the synagogue, and a man was there with a withered hand. And they watched Jesus to see whether he would heal him on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him. And he said to the man with the withered hand, Come here. And he said to them, Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save a life or to kill? But they were silent. And he looked around at them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart, and said to the man, Stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and his hand was restored. The Pharisees went out and immediately held counsel with the Herodians against him, how to destroy him. Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the sea, and a great crowd followed from Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem and Adumea and from beyond the Jordan and from around Tyre and Sidon. When the great crowd heard all that he was doing, they came to him and they told his disciples to have a boat. And he told his disciples to have a boat ready for him because of the crowd, lest they crush him. For he had healed many, so that all who had diseases pressed around him to touch him. And whenever the unclean spirits saw him, they fell down before him and cried out, You are the Son of God. And he strictly ordered them not to make him known. Okay, so here we are. Man with a withered hand, right? Like a rap. So man with a withered hand. So he. Uh, so we're introduced to this man who um, has a withered hand. Why is that important? Why does it matter that this guy has some withered hand? Can't he just do what he's supposed to be doing? Well, he was ceremonially unclean. Because he had a withered hand? Yes. What does that matter? I don't know. You tell me. So he had a withered hand, which... Uh, meant in that in that culture and in that society, the man had a deformity, which yeah. was uh, which he sadly was almost viewed as damaged goods. Yeah, I mean, and I can't even imagine the sense of because it's not even something he could hide. 
it was very customary at that time to pray with your hands raised high. Um, every single time he prays or tries to come in the presence of God, the people see his deformity or mm-hmm. his uncleanliness in full view. Yeah. And, and so now this man has this withered hand, and, and, uh, and all of a sudden you have these people watching what Jesus is going to do as he approaches this man. Yeah. They're watching to see, in 11, verse 2, it says, to see whether he would heal on the Sabbath so they might accuse him. So these guys are all are watching Jesus just to make sure that he's actually going to do what they think he's going to do, which is help somebody yeah. on the Sabbath. How yeah. dare he? Because that was not the that was not the deal. You didn't do that. You especially in that time, you did not. And we've talked about this in prior episodes. You did not do anything on the Sabbath. Yeah, the Sabbath was a holy day, and originally it was a marker uh, for the Jewish people. It was kind of a badge of their Jewishness. Uh, it was even a, an Ebenezer of sorts for their Exodus. Scrooge. No, an Ebenezer of sorts for their Exodus story. Right of the faithfulness of the Lord and the faithfulness of God in creation. I mean, it was this uh, reminder for them. But what had happened is the religious leaders of the time had made it a a nationalistic uh, weapon of sorts uh, against people who were not Jewish and against people who would break it. The Sabbath, which was made for God's people uh, to remind them of the goodness of God, had become a weapon used by the religious elites. Yeah, and it oppressed, and it and it hurt people instead of restoring yeah. and giving them life. And so um, you weren't supposed to do anything. And so what they were trying to do is they were trying to catch Jesus in the act of healing this man. And uh, Jesus says, come here. And he said to them, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to, to harm, to save life or to kill? But they were silent. It says this, and he looked around at them with anger, hmm. grieved at their hardness of heart. Yeah. Jesus can be angry? Oh, for sure. There's a righteous anger. Um, but what's crazy is that uh, the righteous anger that we see elsewhere in the Bible, uh, like we see especially when he's flipping the tables. Mm-hmm. Uh, Making the whips. Yeah, doing all those things. That's more of a Maybe. righteous anger. Yeah. What's crazy is here, uh, from what I understand it, the Greek word that they're using here for his anger is not righteous anger. But it's even a deeper, like a fury. Like he is unbelievably furious at, this, at these people, uh, these religious leaders. And what's so crazy uh, is how ironic it is. And it makes sense why he's so mad. Because the, the Pharisees and uh, the Herodians, when they see him doing this, they in their mind are trying to make sure that he does not break the Sabbath because that would be seen as wrong, mm-hmm. as not good. Yeah, um, he's, They're watching him to make sure he does not do evil on the Sabbath. Um, and, and, it, and you kind of get the sense in the story that they're kind of in this neutral place of they're not doing any, anything, any good or evil. They're just watching to make sure Jesus doesn't do anything. What is that? Is that your... No, dude... Uh, we got this new update on my computer, and I don't know how big to... Big Sur. Yeah, Big Sur, and and that was Bean Station, Tennessee. They're, you know, joke, do you, you know, do you want to know what they're calling me for? Your car's extended my warranty. My car's extended warranty. <laughs> but, Not uh, today. I should have answered it on the on the phone. Hey, welcome to the podcast. Yeah. But uh, so they're making sure that Jesus doesn't do evil. And what's ironic about this is Jesus is trying to do good, 
which is kind of ironic, but what's super ironic is that they, in their hearts, are doing evil. Mm-hmm. Because, one, they don't see with compassion this man with a withered hand. Yeah. Um, and they see with contempt Christ Jesus. Yeah, they're just trying, they're looking at the Lord of the Sabbath, and in their hearts, they're plotting to kill him. Yeah. Like, is there ever a worse evil that you could do on the Sabbath? What happens when you, what happens when you plot to kill somebody in your heart? What is that called? That would be muck duck. Murr. Murder. Judas Snow. Judas Snow. <laughs> um, and so, yeah. And, you know, one of the things that I think is so, um, I've been thinking about recently is oftentimes, especially now, um, and I, this may not have anything to do with it, but I think it's really good for us to see the full spectrum of God's emotions. Yeah. And, and, and you know, the, the Son and Jesus, his emotions. Uh, he has anger, but in the same thing, he's also grieved. Yeah. That's he, compassionate. He, he has anger and he's grieved at the same time. Yeah. But to be honest, those are those emotions we kind of steer away from when it comes to Jesus. Yeah. Uh, or just God in general. Like um, at any point in Scripture, um, anger and and grieve, like grieve and 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 uh, his relentingness and how he regretted that he made man, all that kind of stuff. Well, it's it's funny you say that. I feel like it's actually for me anyway. The Father in my mind, in an unhealthy view of God, mm-hmm. the Father in my mind is perpetually angry, yeah. and the Son is just perpetually loving, could not be ever mad at me for anything, and has no backbone. Yeah. Like, that's in, the, in an unhealthy state of... Which is wrong. That is yeah, not true. In Christianity, I think many yeah. people would agree with that, that the Father's always mad at you, and Jesus has no backbone and doesn't care what you do. That's kind of the... Yeah ends of the lines of how people see God the Father and the Son. And I, and I think it's this this idea of God's of God uh, of like Christ Jesus that we awful awesome like awful oh, okay most of the time oftentimes we'll focus only on his love yeah. and his grace and his steadfastness but it makes us uncomfortable to see his anger. Yeah. And um, it's almost like we want to celebrate the the pleasant attributes of God and character and, and character and emotions of God. But it's the bad emotions, yeah. like or the more negative emotions—not bad, but negative emotions—that we go. I don't. I don't like to think about that. So let me ask you this: impassibility totally off, of God? No, totally off topic. No, not that. Um, well, kind of. Is God angry at us when we sin? Let me clarify: angry at us, as in believers. Is he angry at us? Is Jesus mad at us? Is God the Father mad at us? Is the Spirit mad at us when we sin? Hmm. That's a good one, isn't it? I mean, he's a good father who will discipline his children who yeah. he loves. But I don't think when we think of I think when we think of anger. And I think of when we think of discipline, we think of an earthly father yeah. who's just, I can't believe you would do that. Yeah. How dare you? But with Christ Jesus and with the Lord right now, as he looks down, he's not caught off guard by what we have. Yeah. I think he has a deep hatred of sin. I think mm-hmm. Psalms tells us that. Yeah. I, think the, I think the death on the cross shows us that. So I think he has a deep hatred for sin and so what our, it does for their children. Yeah, he doesn't punish us no longer if we're in Christ. There's no condemnation, you're no right. No condemnation, no punishment. There are earthly repercussions that he does allow and will. Yeah, and those are ultimately for our good. Tools. They are never. They are never out of 
reactionary anger. He's never he's never mad like sometimes I get at my kids where they just have, have taken the entire bottle of body wash that we just got and just poured it into the drain. So he's not annoyed. Yeah. And he's not and he's not he he's whenever we do something, he's he already knows we're gonna do it and he's already given grace. Yeah. Um uh you know, for for that moment. So I don't think he's mad like we would think of being I think grieved mad. is a good word though. Yeah. He I, is not 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 disappointed in the sense that oh I expected better of you, but Disappointed is not a good word. Grieved would be the best word. Just kind of, and I think his anger is fully uh, fleshed out in his anger against sin. Mm-hmm. I always have this little uh, illustration in my mind of me versus sin. And it's tempting of me to think that when I sin, when sin wins that daily battle in my mind and heart and soul, that Jesus is either on the side of sin, and then it's me versus Jesus and sin because he's mad at me now too, or he's above, and he's just judging me because I'm losing the battle with sin. Mm-hmm. What's so great about Christ and his advocacy, which we read so much about in Scripture, is that the more I sin, um, the more he's on my side in a sense. His anger is stirred up because sin is winning the battle against me. And he is ever on my side to fight sin with me. And Not to say that a, he wants us to sin. Yeah, yeah, so that, don't okay. sin yeah. so grace abounds. But yeah. grace does abound when you sin, and yeah. his advocacy abounds for you when you sin. He yeah. is grieved that sin would destroy the hearts of his beloved children, and he is ever on their side to fight sin with them. Yeah. And I just think that's so beautiful. Yeah, and, and you know, thankfully he's not... He's not a father in the sense of many who may be listening have earthly fathers who were maybe not the best yeah. and reacted in, in poor ways. And so I, I think that's I think that's a, a, a good I think that's a helpful thing to think about. Um, it because God is not necessarily angry with your sin. Yeah. Is he's angry with rumble. it? Not ang- His anger is not directed toward you, mm-hmm. though. Yeah. Yeah. And and you know. The Lord will come one will one day come, and there's going to be great judgment, and the the wrath the wrath of God is going to be poured out on all those who have rejected Jesus yeah. and are sinful, and it is not because of just who they are, but it's because of sin, and yeah. ultimately sin will be destroyed, and the one who uh, and and you know Satan and the enemy will be destroyed, and so sin will one day cease, and so God has a great hatred for sin. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, I, he, he is, it's one of those things like, does, you know, hate, hate the sin, love the sinner? It's a pretty good, pretty good sentiment. In the case of his children, anyway. Yeah, but in case of the unredeemed. Yeah, well, he he, they're sinners, but they sin because they're sinners. Yeah, and they're, they're enemies. Yeah, enemies of God, as we were. Yeah, and yet, no, we're not. And so, I don't know how we got to that from Mark, but I know. But I'll tell you this: all these people, he was so angry at and grieved. He was never grieved, or he was not ang- he was not angered to this level with the prostitute. He was never angered at this level with the poor. He yeah. was never angered at this level with uh, the Romans, yeah. right? He was angry at this level with those who would re- who would claim some religious hierarchy or some pridefulness because they know who God is. He saves his harshest rebukes for the prideful religious elite. Yeah, 
Which is scary. Yeah. Because how often has that been us? I am the religious elite. (laughs) I'm a paid professional Christian, just like these guys. (laughs) And so my hands deformed. And so so with that, uh, he's grieved at their hardness of heart. Yeah. Because he desires their hearts to be. Which is probably the most damning charge in all of Scripture Mm -hmm. is that you are hard-hearted. Does that mean your, your pride has so fogged your vision and hardened your heart that you cannot see the goodness of God and follow and trust in Him. Yeah. And the harder it gets, to, the harder your heart gets, the harder it gets to, it is to turn and follow Him. And, and that's one of the things, too, is that you're going to see this here later in chapter 3, that it even clouds your judgment. Yeah. And you can't even see Jesus for when He's right in front of you. Pride, man. I, I swear pride is the greatest sin in the Bible. Well, the greatest of, sin in the world is pride. Well, one of the things I've always seen is that pride goes right before the fall. Bum, bum. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> Scripture fulfilled. And so, um, and so what happens is, is that Jesus ultimately says, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out. His shame, his unworthiness, everything that um, had ruined his life up to this point and made him worthless. Yeah. He reaches out to Jesus and his hand was restored. If that's not a salvific message, like a glimpse of what mm-hmm. Jesus was going to do, when he says, come to me, and he says, follow me, he's basically, where he basically says, you, all of you, come here. You are, uh, you are disformed, you are disordered, you are, you are withered, you are not what you were meant to be. And because of that, you cannot be part of my family. But instead of me casting you out, I'm calling you to come forth so I can restore what's so dirty. Yeah. He was physically restoring the image of God in this man. Yeah. But pointing to God a greater. Because God has two hands. Yeah. <laughs> but mm. pointing to a greater spiritual restoration. Yeah. And so, and then the Pharisees went out immediately and held counsel with the Herodians against him. Which the Pharisees and the Herodians are bitter enemies. Yet. The enemy of my enemy is my friend. Is my friend. Yeah. And so, um, and how to destroy him. And they are, ironically, doing evil on the Sabbath as they plot to kill the Lord of the Sabbath. Yeah. Jerks. Ha-ha! You have been wrong, my friend. <laughs> um, and so uh, then it moves into 7 through 12, which basically starts talking about um, Jesus gaining some fame. He's going now, and there's fame that's coming with Jesus, and he's now attractional because he's, I don't know, healing people of withered hands. Yep. And so Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the sea, and a great crowd followed him from Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem and Edoim and and um and listen, you should always learn the words to the Bible. Yeah, I, I mis- mispronounce a lot of this. Um, it's he, crazy because you never when you're reading it inside your own head, you never feel the need to understand how to pronounce the words. But when you say it out loud you feel the need. So just hey, like hey just kind of a we didn't do this, but a really good way to do that is literally just to go to the Bible app, or you can go to the Dwell app, which you can get 33% off the Dwell app. If you go to dwellapp.io slash here's the deal, you get just 33% off. And I just go to that chapter, and I go to that verse, and I just listen to it. And then I say whatever the person says. Um, <laughs> and so they get they got hey, to Hey, before a, we go to yeah. 7 through 12, I want to read these uh, this paragraph of three questions regarding the 1 through one through 6. It's three questions for the church of today, and I just think they're super helpful, uh, super helpful for what we're reading. So let me read this real quick, talking about 
the man with the withered hand and Jesus healing on the Sabbath. It says, first, this is talking about us, the church of today. First, have we fully appreciated the way in which God's kingdom burst in through the work of Jesus, bringing a whole new domain in which new creation and true redemption have already arrived? This is three questions. Jesus wasn't just challenging one or two residual bits of legalism. He was at the cutting edge of God's new world. Second question, are there ways in which the church today can get so blinded by its commitment to what appears necessary to what appear necessary rules that it fails to see God's healing and restorative work breaking through? That's good. And third, the final question, can we in any sense recapture the true spirit of the Sabbath in a world where economic forces are frequently far more dehumanizing than the abused Sabbath law ever was? Listen to this last sentence. How can we learn again what it means to live in a rhythm of work and rest and to help one another in our wider society do the same without becoming legalist in the process? I love that. Just super practical today application of those six verses. Yeah, that's good. Um, Questions, and they'll be, they'll be in the show notes. We'll just take those and put those in the show notes in case you want to see them. Um, and so... Uh, uh, 7 through 12, um, basically Jesus gets into a boat and he goes out because people, um, uh, because they said, least the crowd crush him. Yeah. Um, because he was gaining so much, he was gaining so much attention and fame because he had healed many so that all who had diseases pressed around him to touch him. And when, whenever the uh, unclean spirits saw him, they fell down before him and cried out, you are the son of God. And he strictly ordered them to not make him known. And so, um, your thoughts? What, um, like, all that. Jesus had to get away. Like, I think that's a beautiful sense of his humanity, that he had to get into a boat. Because if not, all they did was want to touch him. They didn't want to talk to him. They didn't want to hear from him. Yeah, they came to be healed. Yeah. I mean, it just speaks to what we talked about. It's been so long since we last recorded Mark. I forget the term. The Messianic Secret. That's what it's still happening here. He does not want to reveal his divinity in, the, in its fullest sense yet because his face uh, through all of this is set towards the cross. Yeah. But yet he knows at this moment it is not his time. Yeah. So he's trying to keep his divinity a secret in the best way he knows how, um, which I'd say he knows what he's doing. But So he tries to avoid. And the crazy thing is he's still healing people at this time. Um, and I just love how he takes... He chooses 12 disciples because mm-hmm. immediately the Jews would have known exactly what he's doing in this, that yeah. he's not a, a genie who's healing people on a whim. He is establishing the kingdom. He is the promised Messiah. And the 12 disciples would, of course, coincide with the 12, 12 tribes of Israel. Yeah, and that'll be our next episode of the Here's the Deal Let me podcast. Read this. He says, Jesus was saying more clearly than any words could have done. This isn't simply a great healing mission. This isn't even simply a time of spiritual renewal. This is the restoration we've all been waiting for. It's happening at every level, spiritual, physical, social, and inevitably political, a.k.a. the king has come. I love that. Biden 2020. (laughs) Um, And so um, I love this. And you see even images of this, and I love this idea of the kingdom because what's happening even the unclean spirit saw him, and they fell down before him the very same way that one day every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess this thing. You are the son of God, yeah. right? And so there's this, there's this 
things are beginning to change. The even the spiritual forces are beginning to. They, he, I love this. And whenever the unclean spirits saw him, they just immediately fell down before him and cried out. Like they yeah. just they it was they didn't, he didn't have to say anything because they just knew and they saw him. And uh, and he and and he strictly ordered them not to make him known. And this is the first time that anyone has confessed his sonship yet so far in Mark. Yeah, at least Mark. Yeah, uh, that he was the son of God. And I love this uh, about talking about why the demons named him partially is because throughout Scripture, to name is to claim dominion, is to claim authority, which is exactly what he, uh, the dominion he gave Adam and Eve in the garden, uh, or Adam at least to begin with, was, hey, I'm going to give you these animals, and you're going to name them, and you are the ruler of creation. You take dominion. And it's just laughable to think that the demons would name Jesus almost to claim authority over him, yeah. as we know that. It's not happening. Yeah. Look what happened to that little demon-possessed girl who thought that she could do that to Paul. Yeah. And he's like, nope, dunzo beans. Spirit, get out of her. <laughs> um, and so this is a good, uh, this is a good reminder. Um, this is a really good reminder that one thing is, do good. Jesus did not care what the hour, what the time. He just chose to do good. And so, um, And so I would encourage you in the same exact way. Do good, and and it may cause some backlash, like it did for Jesus. Yeah. But he was faithful to do good, and because uh, he wanted to honor his Father above everything else, and uh, and they would ultimately begin to see that uh, in the lives of uh, of Jesus and his followers that uh, to do good is at whatever cost it may come. And so that is uh, that is the first part of Mark chapter 3, and I hope that that's helpful, and I hope that that's beneficial for you. And uh, just be on the lookout, because we will have more coming down the road for the Here's the Deal podcast. Uh, we are so excited to be in season 3. Season 3. Season 3. And we had other cool stuff coming down the road, so just stay tuned. And hey, check us out on social media, and also make sure that you're checking out our Patreon page to help how, uh, see how you can help support the mission uh, of the Here's the Deal podcast, and that is patreon.com slash here's the deal. We love you guys, and we'll see you next time.